0: Hello again, everybody. It is just April here all by myself. I have a lot to say, so I was being impatient and I'm not waiting for my husband and I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do a podcast all by myself. So how are you all doing? I'm doing great, which is a change from the last couple weeks. (laughs) Uh, I know I've been a little bit of a Debbie Downer for the past couple episodes. You know, I've just been feeling really burnt out, really tired, really overwhelmed with everything and trying to balance everything. And, you know, my job is harder and the kids are harder and the farm is just growing exponentially. But I'm finally out of that funk and I really have pinpointed what the difference is. We are literally reaping what we sow now. We are in harvest season and it has just really reinvigorated me. I am feeling so accomplished, so grounded in it. You know, having our own food and providing for our family, that is number one priority. That is why at least I wanted to even do any of this. That's why I wanted a garden. That's why I agreed to start animals, to feed our family that is it. I'm not really money motivated for this. I know my husband can be, I'm not saying I don't like money. Don't don't get me wrong there. But this is what it's all about. I, it makes me so happy to finally be feeding my family 100% homegrown meals. Like it is the best feeling. And it, it really is so different than just, you know, here and there adding, you know, you know we have beef one night that we had raised but then everything else from the grocery store not saying that that's not a great feeling because of course that really is amazing too but i'm finally in the harvest of my garden which i guess i'll probably i'm sure i will talk about that at length in a little bit but we're finally like getting getting stuff we are able to make meals and all of it be from the farm and it it just makes me really happy there's just something about it that getting that gratification um makes it a lot easier. So, I'm feeling good even though it is still a lot of work for sure, which we will get into. But the other thing that I think, you know, kind of on that same vein is I'm finally feeling like I'm getting the hang of cooking whole chickens. That had been something that I was really worried about when we first started this whole adventure, and that's kind of a reason why I had never even bought local grown chicken before, because I have been really afraid of having to deal with a whole chicken. It just seems so intimidating and like so much work, and even when we first started I was like, uh, can we just like try and part all of them out? Like, I guess that would be a lot for like a hundred birds, but we, I feel like most people are so used to, okay, go in the grocery store. I need four chicken breasts. Easy, done, immediate, you know, you can cook it, whatever, you know, or legs or whatever it may be. We're all so used to that convenience and having that aspect of the convenience gone was really intimidating to me, but I have been very happily surprised with how easy it's been. I, I I guess I can't express to you if you haven't done it before. But in my opinion, the most in annoying, difficult thing is to make sure that you have time to unthaw your chicken. I'm a little bit more of an impromptu cook. I don't really like to plan stuff because then I'm not in the mood for it. If you plan, you know, I'll have this on Friday. When it gets to Friday, I'm never in the mood for that thing. So every day I like to pick what we have. And so if I'm in the mood for chicken, I need to make sure that I'm unthawing it in the morning so that it's ready for, you know, an early dinner for my family. And that really is the hardest part, I tell you, so if you have if you're afraid of it too, it's really not that bad. I mean, I can roast a chicken in thirty minutes i can oh, I can't remember the name of it spatchcock I think it's <laughs> it sounds wrong. I might be wrong i I think it's called spatchcocking, but you basically like flatten the chicken. I don't know. You can Google it. I'll probably do a YouTube video about it when we get closer to, you know, the time that we sell our chickens so that the people that we sell it to aren't as intimidated if they are. Um, But there's a way to roast a chicken where, I mean, it literally takes like 30 minutes and it's perfect, Um, you know, or you can part it out once it's unthawed. And I, I have been thoroughly impressed with myself. And I even made my first batch of chicken broth, It was not that good. (laughs) Um, A lot of room for improvement, but I did it. I was excited to use the whole chicken and I'm feeling reinvigorated, which is great because man, those meat chickens are annoying. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) they really are a pain in the butt. But again, now that I can be on the other side and I know the end result, it'll all be worth it. But Man, I guess that leads into one of my first big things that we did. My husband finally finished our se- is it our second or second chicken tractor? Um because I was going to go out of my mind having <laughs> so many of the little the newest batch of meat birds which they are I think 3 weeks old or yeah, I think they're only three weeks old, and um, I'm sure I've talked about it in multiple podcasts, but when you get chicks, after, like, the first week, they are just so gross, and, you know, we have 80 of them uh and so all of our brooder situations they grow out of them so fast and by the time they're like two weeks old I am literally every single day at the end it was twice a day having to clean out their brooders because they just poop so much and then they get in the water and you're just like constantly cleaning the brooder and cleaning their water and cleaning their food it is I I would not be able to do it if I did not work from home. I tell you that. Hold on a second. I hear a tapping on my window. Oh my gosh. I just had like a heart attack. I heard a tapping on my window, but it was just a bird, not one of our birds, a wild bird. I think it's trying to build a nest and it was just tapping on the window. Okay. Anyway, (laughs) Yeah. Chicks are disgusting. Uh, So my husband, I've been trying to put a fire under his butt, which not like I make that sound like he's being lazy. He was not being lazy. He couldn't have done it any faster if he had tried just with his work schedule. And, uh, you know, we went out of town for a wedding and, you know, all that stuff. But uh, he has been building a second chicken tractor to put the chicks in because we have one. And we have our big birds in there. So if you remember, we as right now we're getting an order of eighty meat birds once a month all summer. <laughs> um, so we we're kind of in a rotation where basically will there will always be overlap of two batches unless I'm imagining that wrong. It's actually an overlap of three. I think it might be an overlap of three batches, but only. F- For like a week or two, Um, we'll, you know, we get a batch at the beginning of one month and then it'll be time to butcher the next one, blah, 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 blah. So we're now starting more of that rotation. So we have two batches. One is going to be done, uh, I guess, in two weeks, Fourth of July weekend. So they are big daddies. They are almost done. They are big and fat. And then we have this batch, which is almost a week old. And so around the time because we're butchering the oldest batch 4th of July weekend and then I think like literally that week after we're getting another batch so that's kind of how our rotation is so I think there might be like one week overlap or something or maybe not even that Um, all that to say now we have two chicken tractors and the baby chickens are out on pasture um, you don't want to put them out too early, even though man, it would be great if you could just immediately put them out there. Um, they need, they do need brooder time. I admit that. I know it's just, it just comes with the territory to make sure those little guys survive. But now that they're three weeks old, chicken tractor was done this week. Amazing, wonderful, perfect. They are out on pasture, and it is the best thing ever. Um, they are still annoying though because. They can just, like, fit through, like, (sighs) obviously the pasture is not completely flat, so there's some, like, you know, lower parts of the pasture and higher parts of the pasture, so on the bottom, they're still so small that they can fit through, like, the littlest crevice, and there, one day we went out there, and there were, like, 20 of them just running around the pasture, and we were like, oh, God, that's not good, like, a hog is just gonna come snatch all those guys up. So they are still a little bit of a pain in the ass, but I'll take that pain more than the brooder pain any day. And I I almost don't want to mention this because I don't want to jinx it, knock on wood, but we, that three week old batch, 100% of them survived. And I can't remember if we mentioned this or not they accidentally gave us an extra chick. So not only – we have 81 in that batch. 100% of them lived, which is usually rare. I mean, I think in our last batch of 80, I think we lost four over the course of their, um, you know, the past eight weeks, which is, you know, also really good. I can't remember the number that you're supposed to expect, but, you know, whenever you're doing meat chickens, you usually – like, a handful of them will die for whatever reason. You know, just expect that. But, knock on wood with this batch. All of them are great. So, that chicken tractor is done. He is actually still in the process of building a third. We we decided that we are going to split the chickens up once they get big into two tractors. They The 80 can fit in one. But... The, how do I explain? We, we, we just want to give them a little bit more room. Like it would be fine, but we have to move the tractor twice a day um, just to make sure that they're, you know, they obviously poop a lot because they are birds and all they do is eat. So in order to not have too much nitrogen on the pasture, if, you know, if too much nitrogen from their poop gets in the pasture, it like kind of kills the grass for a little bit. It just, like, overfeeds them. So you don't want, like, too much poop accumulating. Um, So in order to avoid moving them twice a day, because that's a little bit of a pain, we're going to split them up once they get... I don't even know at what point, but once we kind of feel like they're getting to that point. Um, So he is still building a third one. So that's still in the works. We are moving the big birds twice a day. Um, But they're doing great. It's all all doing really well. We're still, you know, trying to figure out some of the food and water situation. I won't go into that because it's really boring, but just a more efficient way, a, a better, more efficient food container. <laughs> that, that's really boring. I'm not going to go into that. Um, Another chicken update. So this one's really crazy. Oh no, it's probably going to be another long story. I'm I just, I have to do the backstory because I just don't trust that people actually listen to these podcasts like from the beginning. So I, I feel like I need to give you backstory. (laughs) Okay. So last year when my husband and I were planning our chicken plans, you know, this is actually the first year that we've done meat chickens. So our whole shtick is that we want to be as self-sufficient as possible. So one of the downsides of meat chickens is that you really are dependent on hatcheries. Um, You know, not to get too conspiracy theory over here, but like the hatcheries and we feel like the poultry industry really gatekeep the chicken, the breeds of chicken that you need to make a Cornish cross. Like it's so easy to, you know, find hatcheries that have Cornish crosses, but in order to find the correct kind of Cornish to mix with your white rocks are easy to find. But it is impossible to find white Cornish. Like, it is so hard. We have looked for the past year. And even, so hatcheries do have dark Cornish, but they only have dark Cornish roosters. It is impossible to find dark Cornish hens. Um, they have, like, I know at the hatchery that we have, you know, we just used, they like kind of make you think they do and they call them, um, their dark Cornish game hens, but that's not really a purebred Cornish. It's like another kind of mix. It's, it's not right. So most people, you know, everyone pretty much, you either do like heritage breeds or, um, you know, other big breeds, but you can't really make your own Cornish cross. But of course we don't accept that. So we wanted to do an experiment. And so we, got in the beginning of the year, we got 12 white rock hens. So Cornish cross is a white Cornish mixed with a white rock. And that makes your Cornish cross. And so we got the 12 white rocks and then we got two dark Cornish roosters. And we were just going to do an experiment to see if we could make something that is similar to a Cornish cross. People like Cornish crosses because um, the cornish part of them um cornish have a really deep like breast tissue so like they make a bigger breasted chicken which most people like that and the white rock in them makes them grow pretty fast so the the cornish cross that people buy are like super fast growing and like super big and meaty like much more than like normal chickens so we just wanted to do an experiment to see if we could make something like that, you know, kind of our own version of that to see if it would even work, you know, and if it totally failed, it's really not much of a risk because we can use the white rocks as layers. They're still really good layers. So it, it, they really didn't feel like a risk. So we did that. I believe that they were hatched in March, the beginning of March. Um, so now they're three months old going on four months and you can, you know, tell what sexes they are. Um and somehow they just like totally checked up our order. First of all, they ended up giving us three dark cornish um which we obviously knew when we first got the batch cuz there were three little black guys in there. Um but now it is apparent that actually one of them is a female, which they don't offer. And you know, we all all of us are wondering, what do they do with the females? I don't know what they do with the females, but they don't sell them. So we lucked out and randomly got a female dark cornish. Um, And then with the white rocks, one of the white rocks we had noticed was going to be a rooster. It was very clear from in the beginning. Hold on. Sorry. Uh, You know, the comb was a lot bigger and redder and he started getting waddles and he started to cock-a-doodle-doo. So one of them is a male but as the weeks went on this male chicken the comb looked different i guess i won't go into a whole chicken education but with some breeds it's got a little floppy comb and some breeds it's like a short fat comb it's called a pea comb or a rose comb um and certain breeds have you know one of those three options um and so his comb did not match what a white rock comb should look like white rocks should have a single floppy comb and he had like a rose comb so it was short and bumpy and did it it was not right um he also was growing a muff so like if you've seen little like cheek looking feathers on a bird that's usually Um, an indicator that it is going to be like a blue egg layer. Um, Like Easter Eggers and Americanas, they have cheeks. And they also actually have pea combs. So those two things are indicators of a blue egg layer. Um, But then he had yellow legs. And if you don't know chickens, this probably is not making any sense to you. But this is very abnormal to have these characteristics all together. And it's clearly not a white rock chicken so I finally contacted the hatchery this week and I was I didn't want I don't know I was nervous too because I just I don't know I get nervous about that kind of thing I don't want them to think I'm like a Karen complaining but also like I needed to know what kind of chicken it was because I was concerned that it was like an accidental cross like from whoever was breeding their chickens if like an Easter egger got in with their White Rocks, like, that's pretty important. Um, so anyway, I emailed them, and I went back and forth, and they were very nice. Like, I was kind of expecting them to be like, sorry about that, but we don't care. But they actually took it very seriously, and they ended up having the VP of the company look at my pictures, <laughs> and they said that it is a... Whitting true blue, and that's probably gonna give away the hatchery because I think only one hatchery carries that. I think they kind of like develop their own special bird, um, but they are saying that it's a witting true blue um you know, sure, I you know, I have no reason to not believe them. It's just kind of weird, um, and they were like, we have no idea how that chicken got in your batch, and so they're. They're refunding me like five bucks (laughs) whoop-dee-doo all to say like isn't that weird like what just it's just a really strange thing so I don't know what we're gonna do with him I'm probably gonna try and sell him I mean if anyone wants a winning true blue rooster he's really beautiful and if he is bred with another blue egg like he has the blue egg laying gene um so yeah, it just this batch of chickens, it's so strange. It's it's really, really strange. But uh, yeah, that's on the list of things to do to build their coop. But they're doing okay in the raised bed garden, living their life. We, uh, we just kind of sectioned off my husband's giant raised garden, and they live in that right now. Sometimes they get out in free range, and that's fine. But I think... Is that all the chicken updates? I think I have one more chicken update. I'm not gonna go into it much because I always hate talking about chickens too much, but um we I got some diam oh I cannot pronounce this. Diemataceous earth. Dietaceous earth? DE. <laughs> um, I'm going to start supplementing the birds with some DE um, to help with worm prevention. Um I I Wanted to do I've been meaning to do that. I've been meaning to get the DE for their dust baths, but I've also been reading a lot about how it's good to warm them regularly. Um, so I finally bit the bullet and got a big like 50 pound bag. It looks like chalk. I don't know what it's made out of. I don't know if it's called like I I don't know what it what it is really, but it's like a really fine powder. And if you look at it like under a microscope, each of the little particles is actually like razor sharp or something like that. So it kills insects and bugs, but it's like organic and natural. It's some kind of mineral, I think. Um, so you can feed it to your animals to as like a wormer. And it's really good for chickens to dust bathe in, like it kills mites and stuff like that. And you can use it in the garden um, because it just kind of cuts up bug bodies, basically. Um, so, I, I got a big, giant <laughs> bag of that and I'm going to use it for the chickens in the garden. Um, but if you get it, make sure you try not to breathe it in. Like I try and wear my mask um, when I'm working with it because it does like cut up your lungs, which is pretty important. So, be very careful with that. Keep it out of reach of children. Um, be aware of that. But it's a very useful farm organic mineral thing. Uh yeah, and if you can't tell from that conversation, the bugs have arrived in the garden. Oh man, yeah. They have arrived just that time of year. It's like the best of times and the worst of times. The bugs have just started to come out. They're not that bad yet, but I've probably had to pluck off like 20 hornworms off of my tomatoes and the Japanese beetles have gotten on my um, green beans, uh, the squash bugs have started to come out. So definitely going to have to stay on top of that. I'm much better this year than I have been in the past of being really proactive. So I'm going to go out there and put some DE on everything, but it's been so rainy and you can't really put it on when it's rainy or it'll just wash away and not do anything. Uh, but other than that, the garden is doing phenomenal. Like I mentioned earlier, I am really starting to harvest within the past two weeks, I think, you know, before then, I would get like a cucumber here and a squash or two here. But now, you know, every few days, I think right now I'm doing like twice a week. I'm going out and getting like a full bucket full of everything, you know, green beans and squash and zucchini. And today I got my first like real harvest of cherry tomatoes. I think it was like 15 of them. <laughs> I got my first okra. Um I got like six cucumbers. So they it's it's coming along. It's the beginning. It's fantastic, amazing. I love it. I'm so excited. It makes me so happy to see everything, but Along with that definitely comes the disease and bugs. Um, So trying to stay on top of that, trying to stay as organic as possible. We definitely do not consider ourselves like fully organic or anything. But I think like most people, if we can avoid using actual like chemicals, we will. Who wants to put a bunch of chemicals on all their stuff? That's definitely more of a last resort. So we're doing good trying to prune all the diseased leaves. It's hard because we... With the weather right now, it's, like, dry for two weeks, rainy every day for two weeks. Like, that's how it's been, like, for the past two months. And right now, we're in the rainy part. So, that's kind of a breeding ground for different lights and stuff. So, we're getting hit with that. Uh, I might have to cut a couple of my tomatoes. There's, like, two that are really struggling. I think it's the Italian heirloom. For me, just never really works that well. I think this is the third year I've tried to grow it and it just never really does. So if I might have to kick it out of my rotation. I might just have to give up on it. I don't want to. It's a beautiful tomato. But uh if it just can't survive, then it has no place here. So I'll have to decide that in the coming days. Um, what else? I think that's probably it. I feel like I've been talking forever. Um, but yeah very exciting time, very good time right now. Um yeah. I put up a YouTube video today so go check that out. Um it's terrible. Please actually yeah, don't don't go check it out. I uh I made a garden tour. First of all, I filmed it like the first week of June, and it is now almost the last week of June. So it's like three weeks old film. Everything looks totally different now. And for some reason it uploaded in like the worst quality at in like the 400 quality thing. I don't know what that number means, but like the lowest quality and it looks terrible and I don't know how to fix it. Um, So just if you watch it, ignore that and my next garden tour I promise I will use my real camera and not my phone anymore uh yeah it's it's horrible but yeah go check us out on Instagram go look at our YouTube channel and subscribe to it and do all that fun stuff and subscribe to this podcast and Nate will be back next time uh I think I think we just have to nix the whole regular podcasting. We're going to come on approximately every other week right now unless something big is happening that we need to talk about. I think that's the plan, but I, I'm not guaranteeing that. We'll we'll come on as much as we can. Whenever interesting things happen, we'll be back and we'll, we'll talk about it. So that's why you need to subscribe so that you can catch us whenever we feel like talking to you. <laughs> have a great week. I hope your garden is beautiful and disease-free. I hope you are also disease-free. All right, goodbye. (laughs)